Run to Old Navy this Friday to get sweaters for just 10 bucks for adults, 8 bucks for kids and baby. Better hurry, this incredible sweater deal is just one day only, this Friday at Old Navy. Valid 11-11, select styles and in-stores only. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you have ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. I am your host, Patty Porter. My guest hosts, Dina Zometa and Stephen Kotev, along with our guest experts, will share our experiences, raise your awareness, and give you food for thought. We will share with you problem-solving strategies, no matter what your situation is. At work, with neighbors or friends, family, and partners, tune in or join in the conversation every Tuesday evening. Well, good evening, listeners. We continue our month-long series on youth violence prevention. And in this episode, When Dreams Die Young, Stop Youth in Engaging in Gun Violence, our guest and author Robert Batista will share his passion and journey to curb and stop gun violence through his writing and novellas called Street Angel and The City Game. Now, we'll talk about the Iron Pipeline and the collateral impact of gun violence. It's not the answer to disputes, disagreements, and differences. Robert will discuss nonviolent approaches to dealing with these differences and share his stories. Now, Robert Batista grew up in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and after attending Brooklyn College, he enlisted in the U.S. Air Force. Now, he was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base in Southern California, where he began his writing career, first with poetry and then short stories. And in 1992, he founded Word is Bond Press and began writing and publishing positive, uplifting stories for teenagers and young adults. Now, his books, The City Game, Street Angel, and Brooklyn Story, were picked up by the New York City Department of Education, and Robert's powerful message of self-determination and nonviolence is now required reading in schools throughout the country. He's currently working on his new young adult novel, Crisis at Central High. Now, as some of you are already in our chat room, so welcome to our chat room tonight. Uh, the chat room is uh, opened at Blog Talk Radio, so if you're on the phone and you want to join us on the uh, chat room itself, you'll need to go onto your computer, type in blogtalkradio.com forward slash Texas-conflict-coach. Scroll down and you'll see the uh, chat room is open. We do encourage you to write your questions, make your comments, uh, even pose uh, a, a problem maybe that uh, Robert could uh, possibly address. Now, we also uh, do have the Twitter feed going on right now. We are using the hashtag ConflictChat, all one word, and you can tweet us directly at either uh, at TXConflictCoach or at Author R Batista. B, like in boy, A-T-I-S-T-A, and that would be Robert's uh, Twitter handle there as well. So, Robert, welcome to the program. Well, Patty, it's really, really great to be on your show. I've been anticipating this for a while, so, um, yeah, it's, it's great to be here. 
Well, you're right. We've been talking a long time about your work. I've, you know, read two of your novellas, The City Game and Street Angels, and we've had some really good offline conversations. So I'm glad we're finally to this point, and I'm also very happy that you're part of our Youth Violence Prevention Month. Uh, a lot of people know that every April we do use violence, uh, and there's Youth Violence Prevention Week uh, by the SAVE, uh, Students Against Violence Everywhere. So I'm so glad that you're part uh, of this month and this week with us uh, to tell your message. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, back in the in the '90s, I had deemed April as uh, Youth Gun Violence Awareness Month, and was definitely trying to get a lot of people to come on board. And <laughs> looks like I was one of the early pioneers. And now it's, it looks like it's building momentum every year. And uh, looking forward to to seeing this grow. Well, great. That's awesome. And uh, so, okay, so let's get to your personal story. Listeners heard a little bit about your biography, but what is the story you want listeners to know that helped you begin this journey to writing stories specifically about youth and gun violence? Well, I'm from the streets. I'm from the projects of of Brooklyn, New York, and um, came up in the late 60s, 70s, and um, there was gang warfare, uh, but it wasn't as bad as, as it is now. Um, so I went into the service, as you know, and started writing and then came out. And um, I was the father of uh, preteen boys, and I noticed that the teenagers were getting more violent. Uh, they were bringing razors to school and weapons to school. And then all of a sudden at Thomas Jefferson High School in Brooklyn, um, two students were shot during the changing of the classes right in the school, and um, they were just shot dead. And I went to a candlelight vigil for one of the students, and I met the mother of one of the students who was shot dead, and the look in her eyes, uh, the pain, I'll never forget as long as I live, and decided right at that time that I was going to write a story against youth violence. So that's where the, the city game was born, about two basketball players in Jersey City who get caught up in gun violence. And um, I, I published it like a, a Jet magazine, like a, it was a novella. And I just sent it out to the New York City, Jersey City, Chicago Boards of Education. And New York and, and uh, Jersey City picked it up right away. Then I started going into the schools and doing workshops with the teens and with the youth in high schools. And um, one of the teens one day when I went and talked said, Mr. Batista, some of us are not carrying guns to, to kill and to, to rob. A lot of us are carrying guns for protection. And I said, oh, wow. And I thought about that. So then I went back and I wrote Street Angel which is about the protagonist central character, Moises Cologne, 16, goes to Brooklyn Tech. He's a, a studious kid, very smart, uh, but he gets picked on because he's a nerdish type kid. And uh, he goes through uh, so much trials and tribulations and then sees his best friend die. And then he decides that he has to go pick up a gun for protection. And without giving the story away, the book basically just shows that carrying a gun isn't going to stop you from, from violence or isn't going to make you a man or a woman for that matter. 
you know, so so I appreciate the, well, first of all, you know, it's terrible to witness something like you did firsthand um, and, and to see um, and to experience the mother's pain and other people's pain, and, and, and that was the catalyst for you beginning to write. And so it sounds like the, the book, Street Angel, or excuse me, the novella, which is a short story, um, you know, was about Moises. Now, I, when I was reading it, I, I was reading it as Moses, and, and then you, uh, you know, said, no, it's actually Moises, uh, which was really interesting. What is it you want uh, people to know about the distinction between Street Angel and the City Game? Well, the City Game um, is about two basketball players or two boys growing up, they're best friends and there's a big game coming up. And um, because of circumstance, because one of the guys gets hung up on a girl and has to try to win her back, he enlists the help of the other basketball player, Sam, to help him. And there's a chain reaction and circumstances that one of them eventually dies and gets killed. And that's how relative and accidental life can be on the streets. Where in Street Angel, um, Moises is just going along. I mean, he doesn't really want to get involved in any violence, but again, he gets picked on, and it's when he goes to a party and he sees his best friend get shot in front of his eyes. Actually, his best friend dies in his arms is when he has to feel that he has to get a gun to protect himself. Mm-hmm. So the stories are different in, in that respect where one, two guys are out there just get caught up accidentally in gun violence. And in the other story, one purposely gets a gun after watching his best friend get killed and he gets the gun to protect himself and in both cases it doesn't end well Mm. now would you i'd like to invite you to read a short snippet do you have something that you would like to share to the listeners well um sure let me um look at the book and um see what um would be a I know you have you have you have favorites. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I'm going to read the epilogue of Street Angel after okay. um, Moises and Shay and Timmy and all of them graduate, and they're at their graduation, and Moises is just uh, replaying everything that happened and and how he learned. Um, And he says here, I think back to the time when I was walking around like a gangster wannabe and smile. Boy, was I crazy. If it wasn't for Shay, I don't know what would have happened to me. I think a lot about that girl, One-Eye. I keep remembering what she said. Carrying a gun doesn't make you a man. How true those words are. I also replay what I said the night me and Timmy got jumped. These young thugs have guns in their hands but are cowards in their mind. You see, it really doesn't take any courage to pull a trigger. None at all. These young kids are really scared, terrified. So to act tough, they get strapped 
and walk around like they're itching to bust a cap in somebody. But without their gats, without their guns, they're really cowards. I've learned that courage is about solving conflicts through communication. Hey, if you got a beef with me or I got a beef with you, let's talk. Let's communicate our differences. That's what I call having courage. Having courage is also being mature to, enough to walk away from a fight. Even if you appear weak to others, you are really the strong one. You are really the smart one. That's courage. So that's basically part of the epilogue. But, mm. you know, and it, it's so true. You know, you see a, like, like a lot of these young toughs out there. Even to this day, you see these kids, you know, and they, got, they have guns and everything, but they're really cowards. They're really afraid. They, they have a gun in their hand, but as the book says, they're cowards in their minds. They're afraid to actually maybe have a regular fist fight with somebody. Uh, there have been so many, many times you read in the paper where two boys have a fight, and one is beating the other, and the other one pulls out a gun and, and shoots the kid. Or two guys have a fight, and one beats the other. The other one goes home, and the other guy thinks it's all over, and then the other guy comes back with a gun and mm. shoots him. Um, it, it's just right now, it's just a, a coward mentality in so many of our youth today. Mm. So powerful, that, that passage that you read about, you know, what is really courage, you know, certainly not, you know, for, for those of it's this false courage or this false sense of control and power by having a gun. And we're going to talk a little bit about power and change in just a second here. I want to let listeners know if you're tuned in uh, either by computer or by the phone here um, that you are listening to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. And we invite you to follow us on our Blog Talk radio program. Currently I'm speaking with author uh, Rob. Robert Batista. We're talking about his two novellas, The City Game and Street Angel. And, um, you know, in The City Game in particular, um, the cultural norm is to deal with disagreements with violence and power over people. And in the main character, Sam, uh, exhibits, now Sam was the basketball listener, so he was a basketball player, very popular, quite in demand, uh, everyone really liked him. And so he was one of the main characters, Sam, and he exhibits this natural power within himself to live, to love, and to teach others, yet in a very volatile environment. And what he taught Ollie, his uh, very good friend, um, he taught through, and, and, and Robert will talk a little bit about, but this tragedy that occurred that really taught his friend Ollie, uh, Ollie about the power of change. So if you're listening to this podcast and you find yourself in a similar environment, I guess the question I'm posing out there is where do you begin to tap into this power either within yourself to change or how are you influenced by others outside to change in a more peaceful, nonviolent way? And I guess the second part of the question is how do we not use guns, drugs, and other forms of violence as a destructive power over people, over other people? So what, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that, Robert? Well, I'm going to take the second uh, part of the question first, if you don't mind. See, uh, yeah. it's it's really hard being a teenager now. I wouldn't want to be a teenager at this point in time because it's almost like the deck is stacked against our youth right now. I mean, if I walk in, in my, my town, Jersey City, on a Friday evening, I see all of these teenagers hanging out on the streets with nothing to do. 
with nothing. So, uh, there's nothing. So naturally, they're eventually going to get into trouble. Um, one of the things that we need to see is we need to see some type of youth programs for these teenagers. I mean, I'm going back, and I remember my mom telling me they had the center in the Willoughby House and places where they can go and have parties and dances and basketball games. And even when I was coming up in Brooklyn during the 60s and 70s, we had a real large community center across the street where we went swimming, played basketball, had arts and crafts, had dances every now and then. And that took so much of our time. That took so much of our energy. And right now, there's nothing here for the for the kids. Now, I don't know where it is where you are in Texas, but over here, there's nothing. So I think the first thing that needs to be done is somebody to say to these kids, we care about you. We care about your well-being and your livelihood, and we're going to show you. We're going to see if we can have these things. We're going to sit down with you, and you tell us what would you like to see. Would you like to have a youth dance? Would you like to have talent shows? Would you like to have a gym open up? All kind of things that that you can have instead of just walking the streets on Friday and Saturday nights and with nothing to do that eventually will lead you to take drugs eventually will lead you to get into trouble. So, and back to where that power comes in. See, with Sam in the city game, he had that power naturally. He was just a, a light being. He was a man of peace. But his best friend, Ali, he was all about himself. He was very, very spoiled. He, his sister did his homework for him. He was the only boy with a room with a house full of sisters. So they spoiled him. So he was all about himself. So he didn't even care about violence or anything like that. He just cared about himself. But when that metamorphosis happens where he sees his friend get killed, he goes through a change and start to, starts to understand. So... Again, sometimes it does not happen with yourself. Sometimes it happens with something else happening to you or to one of your friends or to, to, to another, in another place where it affects you, where you say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to start being peaceful. But it, 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 it's so different and so vast. And, you know, what works for one person may not work for another. I mean, I talked to when I went out to Chicago and we did a peace summit at one of the high schools and I walked with the gang members and I met this gang member called Chief out in Chicago. And he says, my father was in the same gang. My grandfather was mm. in the same gang. We are generations of gang members, and we cannot escape the gang. We're in the gang. We're born into the gang. We're inbred into the gang. So we also have to change that mentality of saying, okay, you know, instead of being in a gang, how about just standing alone and standing up for yourself? And it's not always easy to do because, you know, I mean, the code of, there's a code on the streets. There's a code on the streets in the inner cities or the so-called ghettos or where the gangbangers are. You know, you have to be part of that gang and stick. You can't snitch. You can't be a rat. So, can you imagine a 15-, 16-year-old kid trying to basically turn his back against that? I mean, um, he wouldn't last a second. So it's it's inbred in, in places where we also have to attack where that inbredness comes from. 
So it's it's a three prong, four prong sword where it's it's just really hard. Again, you know, there's different different solutions in, in different situations. Well, it's a very complex issue for sure. And um, so tell me, you know, it was interesting listening to the part of the really the ingrained cultural dynamic of a gang and gang mentality, Um, you know, and, you know, you write a lot about, you know, in your book that, you know, a lot of these, uh, whether they're in a gang or not in a gang, it's not to say that all gun violence with youth equals gang. I would assume not, right? Is that is that a right? Is that a correct assumption? Just because that is um, definitely correct. Yes. Okay, I wanted to clarify for listeners: we're not just talking about gangs, but any youth who engage in using guns. So, getting guns. We talked a little bit about this iron pipeline in the introduction. Can you say more about what that is? Well, um, the first question that I ask myself, and a lot of people ask themselves, is: Okay, New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago have the toughest gun laws in the nation. Uh, You you just can't go somewhere and and get a gun. So how are these kids, 14, 15, 13, getting guns? So we did a little research and talked to people, and there's something called the Iron Pipeline, where basically straw people, and they make what's called straw purchases, they go to states where the gun laws are basically lax. Um, a lot of them are down south, but there are a few in the Midwest, and they purchase a good amount of guns, let's say 100, 200 guns, and then they ride back up to Chicago and to New Jersey and to New York and Philadelphia and places like that, and then they sell them on the streets at a profit. So that's called the iron pipeline. So these are adults buying these amount of guns? Well, when you say adults, it could be anybody from 18 on up. Yes, anybody who basically can go and purchase a gun legally in those states that I was talking about. So let's say from 21 on up. All right, so that they go and buy this. Now, I guess the uh, being ignorant about gun purchases, because I don't own a gun, I've never purchased a gun, never even shopped for a gun. Um, when you say that someone goes down a straw, a straw person or a straw purchase, and, that, and you say straw, S-T-R-A-W, straw, right? Yes, that's what they call Yes, okay. So what comes to mind uh, is if someone is going down to one, any one of these states where they can do that and they're purchasing 100 or 200 and they have to be registered, I would assume that would cause some kind of red flag that, you know, X person, straw, straw person A bought 50 guns and straw person B bought another 25 guns. Wouldn't that uh, trigger some kind of an alarm? Or maybe, or maybe they're buying them illegally. I don't know. You would think, but no, this iron pipeline is buying them legally. So let's say two or three go down, and they buy maybe 50 guns each. And from what I understand, now I've never purchased a gun either. And uh, so from from what I understand, you can basically do your research on this if if you like to, is that it is legal to purchase 50 guns or or 60 guns at a time and uh, show, show their ID. And that and that's how they me. do it. That really And uh from what I understand <laughs> there's a lot of frustration about how you know, these these gun manufacturers who make millions of guns, there there's estimated right now to be like from two to three million guns uh out there 
uh, across the country. As you know, there's 30,000 people every year are are killed uh, by handguns. A lot of them are suicides, but many, many, many of them are homicides. Um, and the guns just, just keep on coming. It's like they say in the book, it, it rains from the sky. Mm. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying what the Iron Pipeline is and how that relates directly to the young kids and how they're getting these guns. Um, and so, yes, what is because the... there was there when I went into a school. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no. Go one ahead. One of no, the kids ahead. in the school said, "I can." <laughs> said, "Mr. Batista, I can walk to the local grocery store. What, what we call bodegas up here in in, mm-hmm. in New York and New Jersey." She says, "I can walk into a bodega." and get an iced tea, get a coffee cake or a ring ding, and a 9mm all at the oh same time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And this is that's a just... 15-year-old kid telling me this. Wow. I mean, that's really mind-boggling uh, to me, that that's how easy it is for them to do that, uh, and very, very sad. Um what is the collateral impact on that, you know, through this iron pipeline? What have you noticed? What have you researched? What have you experienced in your yeah. interviews and talking with young students? The, the, the collateral is death, and not only the death of, of the child mm. that, that's shot, and, and, and a lot of times shot purposely, and, and even accidentally. There's cases of two- and three-year-old children. Uh, of senior citizens get caught in crossfires. Um, that's part of the collateral. But the, there's there's a scene in, in my book, Street Angel, where the young boy is killed, and at his funeral, his mother is so distraught, she wants to crawl into the casket with him and mm-hmm. be buried with her son. The, the collateral damage of the mother, the father, the family, uh, the the extended family, the friends, um, that basically is, is the damage that's done. And it's like, okay, these people out here selling the guns, they don't care about that. All they care about is is the profit. Hmm. Okay. So um, we're starting to come down toward the end of our show, and I really want to get into some of the what is the answer of not gun violence. So if you're a teenager, you're a youth, you're a parent of a youth, you're a teacher of a youth, you know, a couple of things that you've already mentioned, Robert, is, you know, the development of youth programs. A lot of, a lot of uh, you know, county cities do have some of these things. and really, But really showing uh, and listening to youth and showing them that we, that we care about youth specifically, find out what they want, keep them, you know, um, you know, give them activities to do is one of the things. Of course, changing the whole gang mentality. Um, but there's this whole courage piece that you talked in the epilogue, uh, epi- excuse me, epilogue um, about the courage to talk. So talk a little bit about what are the, what is the answer of not gun violence? If it's communication, if it's talking, what's the fear about, and what can they do to overcome the fear of having the conversation? Trust. They need to to be able to trust. Um, trust uh, whether it be their parents or their teachers or or um, their pastors. Um, I think the churches could do a lot more um, in helping by maybe even opening their churches when there are not church services and having youth functions. Um, But it's a trust factor. Um, A lot of times you go into the schools 
and they won't open up right away because they have to trust you. I mean, they look around, and we tell our youth not to basically be sexually promiscuous, and yet every time they look on TV and cable, all they see is sex flaunted in their face. We tell them not to take drugs, but then they look at television and they see advertisements for all of these drugs, legal drugs, and, you know, just pop this pill and everything will be better. We tell our youth not to be violent, and yet every time they turn on a movie now, you see somebody with a gun, you see somebody shooting somebody. Every time they turn on a video, there's violence. The the music uh, at times is, is violent and promotes violence. So, I mean, we're sending the mixed messages. We're sending the mixed signals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to mention gameplay. All those kids that play on games, oh, Xbox and all of that. I didn't even start with it. Have you seen some of the video games that are popular out here? I yes, remember and my it's son. very scary. <laughs> Not, and it's not only violence, it's also sex. I mean, there's certain codes that you can put in certain games where you can actually have sex. Oh, my God. Uh, all you need no. to do is, is put in a certain code. And, you know, <laughs> one co- if one kid finds the code, he's going to tell everybody else. Oh, wow. So, no, uh, I, didn't know, so, I didn't know that part. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, I won't mention the game, but it's a very popular game. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of these games, Patty, are first-person shooters. So mm-hmm. it's a game, video game, where you have a gun in your hand. And the object of the game is to kill as many people as possible. Mm. So we're sending Mm -hmm. our youth mixed signals. Mm -hmm. We're talking out of both sides of our mouths. Mm. You know, and I'm not even talking about war. (laughs) You know, know, and the violence that that we get. And and they see that also. They see that. Mm. You know, these kids aren't stupid. So, so you know, what are you telling me here? Why should I listen to you? So, we so have what you trust. also have to do is you have to take a child to a morgue. And I know a teacher that did that. He took a whole class to a morgue, and they mm-hmm. saw a young kid who had just been shot. And, and, and they saw what it is to, to be in a morgue or what it is to, to have an autopsy to a, a nine-year-old girl who's been caught in the crossfire. Uh, sometimes they have to be shocked awoke, mm. to be awoken, to be awake. Mm. So we can talk to them. And when I go into the schools, I'm sincere. And I read my book, and I read parts of it, especially that epilogue. But then the kids read the book, and a lot of them get it. Not all of them do, because some of them are so in, embedded. You know, they say, what is this guy telling me? But there's some who are on the fence, or there's some who are maybe 13 and 14, and they're just at that stage where they're getting ready to go a step further. And, and they come up to me and they say, Mr. Batista, I understand what you're trying to say, and I don't want to be violent. You know, and then that's the kids that we have to help. I mean, I'm going to go into the school and then I'm going to be out. He's going to read my book, but then he's going to put my book down. He may want to continue, but then he has to see signs around him that, you know, we're trying to help you be, be, not be violent. 
And to tell you the truth, so far, I believe that we failed our children in that respect. So a lot that not only that we're asking teenagers to do in terms of talking it out, not letting things fester, learning maybe some conflict uh, management, conflict resolution skills. There's a lot of things as adults that we need to be doing more of and building that trust with them and uh, providing activities. But more importantly, uh, it's really about showing that we care, whether we're the parent, the teacher, the community, the church, whatever whatever it is in that community is showing that we genuinely care uh, and that you can trust. And so if they're getting these mixed messages, they're like, look, I'm on my own. I've got to either join a gang and be with a gang mentality or I've got to figure out how I'm going to protect myself or, you know, I, you know, put myself in an apartment never to come out again uh, kind of thing. Um, As we come to a close, I know we usually give our listeners an assignment for the week, but before you do that, is there any final strategy that really stands in your mind, either for the youth that might be listening to this or to an adult that might be listening to this that's really burning on your mind that you want to share at this point? Well, I'm going to share Uh, lines from both stories, The City Game and Street Angel. Okay. In Street Angel, Moises, at the end of the story, understands that life is worth living if you are forgiving. And Mm -hmm. forgiving works both ways. It can work as two words, forgiving to give, or it can work as forgiving to forgive someone who's hurt you or harmed you. And on the side of the city game, what I've read in the epilogue, I will tell the youth, as I've told the youth many, many times, it doesn't take any courage to pull a trigger. It takes courage to talk it out, to communicate it. That's where the courage is. Carrying a gun does not make you a man or a woman. It takes no courage to shoot somebody. Mm-mm-mm. Very powerful stories. And I hope, listeners, that you will get uh, Robert's novellas. You can actually, the two novellas are actually in one book. Uh, Street Angel includes the city game. Uh, Robert, uh, so what is the assignment? Is there something specific, the next step, that you would like to encourage listeners to take you know, as soon as they hang up the phone and they're thinking about this show and this program and your messaging, what is the next step you think they can take immediately? Well, parents, talk to your children about violence, about gun violence, about any violence. Or just talk to them and, and, and just listen to them and see what they say. When I go into the schools, Patty, one of the first things I ask the kids is, who here has been affected by gun violence? And just about every hand goes up. Mm-hmm. So almost every child has a story about violence, uh, about uh, how somebody was affected. And so I would say for parents to talk to their children about gun violence. And, um, you know, the other part would be get a copy of Street Angel. Mm-hmm. And where can they get that? On Amazon, through your website? What's the best way? Well, right now uh, I'm going through a a reorganization on my company. So right now they can order the book directly through me by um, going to 
And just by emailing me or hitting me up on Twitter at, at author R. Batista or emailing me at thefunkywriter at yahoo.com. Funk, the funky writer? Yes, at yahoo.com. So, okay, so, so actually listeners put the, the word the, T-H-E, funky, F-U-N-K-Y, writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, at yahoo.com is the email um, to get a hold of right. uh, uh, Robert, or of course through uh, direct private messaging uh, or through tweeting at Arthur author R. Batista. All right, Robert, I really appreciate you being on the program with us and, and educating people, not only through your storytelling and the power and the message behind that, uh, but for educating our listeners and our community worldwide. Any final further message uh, that you want to uh, give uh, listeners at this point? Yes. Um, you know, when I first wrote the street, uh, the city game back in 1993, it, it, violence with guns was exploding. And I thought that possibly, you know, it would start to basically subside or get 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 better. But it seems like it's only getting worse. Uh, you look at Chicago. Uh, there was one weekend where like 60 people were shot over the weekend. Uh, they're starting to call Chicago Chirac. That's how bad things are in Chicago. Um, and in every major city, gun violence is, is still uh, just ballooning in epidemic proportions. So we we have to fight and keep fighting this, is, this issue. And I think we should mobilize with the church and with the schools and the parents. I, I, I think we can't attack it alone. It has to be a mobilization. Very good. Um, You're absolutely right on that. So, okay, so you've heard this uh, from Robert here. Thank you. Keep up your great work. Uh, Good luck on your new book that you're writing. And uh, and listeners, thank you for tuning in, uh, both in the chat room uh, and uh, on the phone. Thank you for being with us in the Twitter feeds, and uh, have a good evening, Robert. Thank you for having me, Patty. Take care. Uh Good night. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can find all of our podcasts archived to listen at your convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can also become a Facebook fan of Conflict Connection or Twitter me at TXConflictCoach. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy. Without all the extra drama. I even had a gift Run to Old Navy this Friday to get sweaters for just 10 bucks for adults, 8 bucks for kids and baby. Better hurry, this incredible sweater deal is just one day only, this Friday at Old Navy. Valid 1111, select styles and in-stores only.